Welcome to Walking by Faith, where we believe that God's relevance extends to every aspect of our lives. Our goal is to empower you with the tools you need to grow in your faith journey. And that's why you can access Pastor's Notes in a snap. Download the Walking by Faith app today to follow along. Today, Pastor Dwayne sheds light on how the enemy might be subtly robbing you of the abundant life and destiny you were meant to enjoy. But fear not, for today you'll receive not only insightful understanding, but also practical application to propel you into greater levels of freedom. It's time to break the chains that hinder your progress and step into the fullness of life and victory that awaits you in today's message, From Chains to Champions. We're in a series of messages that I did not think would be near this long and just keeps getting bigger. But on knowing your enemy, knowing what does the devil do? How does he come? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, least Satan should take advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. Now, when we do not understand Satan's devices, what he does, he will take advantage of you. But the Bible says we should not be those people. Now, somebody might think, well, you're talking about the devil. You're glorifying the devil. Well, we are not glorifying the devil, all right? First of all, we're making sure we're not ignorant. Secondly, we are recognizing he is a defeated foe and that he has to be confronted. The Bible says this. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist him, steadfast in the faith. So we're getting educated, but it's, it's kind of, here's an illustration that, that I've used with our staff. Right? If a mailman is going down the road and he's delivering mail on this particular street and he is attacked by a dog. So the next day he comes out and he's got dog repellent. He's got all sorts of protective gear on. And he just goes walking down the street looking for a dog. How many of you know he's missing his purpose? So we don't want to kind of be like, how can I say this? Fixated on devils. What we want to do is fulfill our purpose to bring the kingdom of God. But when he shows up, we want to deal with him. You know, if the mailman's leaving the mail and just worrying about dogs, that's a problem. So we do not want to be that spiritually, but we want to be able to address the enemy, to resist the enemy when he shows up. And remember, Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Part of the kingdom of God is dealing with the devil. It is part of the kingdom. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians will live their entire life as if the devil does not even exist. But the last time the devil fled from you is the last time you resisted him. And you can't live your life as if the devil does not exist and have victory the way you should have victory. You overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. You got to overcome. In in Colossians 2 and 15, it says, he, that's Jesus, set himself and us free from all the spirit power of evil on the cross. He said, who who free? Himself and us. 
He defeated the devil. He triumphed over them, but he set himself free and he set us free. Love it says, he openly displayed Jesus' triumph over Satan, disarming him, Satan, and his entire band of spirits down to the last demon. I mean, every devil is defeated. Every devil should be under our feet. Now, the reason he's here is because Adam let him in. But we need to resist. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16, when evening had come, they brought to him, Jesus, many who were demon-possessed. Jesus is not placating an ignorant people. Satan is real. Demon spirits are real. He cast out the spirit with a word and healed all who were sick. Uh, demon possessed is actually an unfortunate translation. The Greek just says that they're demonized. Demonized. You could almost translate this like demon trouble. Demon afflicted. Troubled by a demon. First Peter, let's see, first Peter, first John 5, 19 says, we know positively that we are of God. How many of you know you're saved? You're of God. You're part of the kingdom. And the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. People wonder why are all these bad things happening in the world? Because there's a devil. And the Bible says the whole world is under the power, the control, the sway of the wicked one. Well, we're looking at an extreme case of being demonized or having demon trouble in Matthew chapter five. And I'm going to read this again, and then we're going to quickly uh, get into some new material. Verse one, then he came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been broken apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out, cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshiped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and says, what do I have to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he, Jesus, said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what's your name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we're many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he wouldn't send him out of the country. Now, a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out, entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea and were drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled. And they told in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting, clothed, in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it had happened to those who had been demon-possessed and about the swine, and they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends 
and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis at the Ten City region all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. So here we have a man who's become demonized. And again, the Bible does not tell us specifically what happened. It could be that a person is involved in idol worship, in the occult, unnatural, perverse sex, which appears to be what happened here because the Bible refers to the spirit as an unclean spirit, and it's an unclean sexual spirit. Well, what happens, this man, is he begins to become demonized, as the demon becomes more and more in control of this man. He breaks off his affiliation, his association with his friends and with his family, and becomes what today people would probably say would be clinically insane. He's driven by demons. He lives near the sea, and he's living in tombs in the cliffs, and these tombs are used for burying people. These, these, uh, these uh, uh, caves are, are where they would take their dead, and he's literally living in a cemetery. He wears no clothes. He mutilates his body. He's cutting himself with stones. He has no rest. He's continually moving day and night, and he's crying out, and he's, he's literally, he's howling. People are afraid because this man has become violent, and they have, have put him in chains and in shackles, and he breaks them. But when Jesus comes to the region, the man sees Jesus from afar, runs, falls down at Jesus' feet, and worships him. And Jesus commands the spirit to leave, and the spirits go out, and it's interesting, Jesus, there's, there's at least 6,000 demons, but Jesus is speaking to the demon in charge right? and gives them permission to leave. And they go into the, the pigs who immediately commit suicide. So we've looked at signs of demon activity is number one is a withdrawal from social interaction. Number two is a tormented mental state. Number three is chronic depression. Number four is being controlled by fear. Fear and phobias controlling your, your life. And then number five, and that's what I want to talk to you about to starting today, and that's chronic restlessness. The fifth verse says, and always. How often? Always. Night and day. He's in the mountains and in the tombs. He's crying out, cutting himself with stones. This man had no peace. This man could not be still. He's always on the move, always wandering, right? It's interesting. When Jesus gets this man delivered, the Bible says they find the man sitting at Jesus' feet, clothed in his right mind, listening to Jesus. Now, before he's delivered, he can't sit down. He cannot be in one spot. He's constantly moving. I think it's interesting that uh, in Proverbs, when the woman of the night is described. And in, 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 uh, I'm not going to take the time today, but sometime in the next month or two, we're going to deal, we're, we're going to deal with th this particular subject. But when a person has illicit sex, uh, the Bible says they become the same, literally the, the, the Greek word is the same soma, right? And it means body or slave, body or slave. When, when somebody has illicit sex, right, 
the, the demonic activity that is in the one person, it, it's like there is a portal to transfer that same demonic activity into the next person. So the, the, the woman of the night who's been sleeping around, I'm just telling you, has got some demon problems because you don't sleep around and not get some demon problems. And it says, there a woman met him, the entire of a harlot, crafty in heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times, she was outside. At times, in the open square, lurking at every corner. What's she doing? She's got that restlessness. She's constantly moving. Uh, I'm not talking about when your kids eat too much sugar. All right? But there's just no rest for that inner being. The Bible says he's driven. He cannot be still. And when there is no peace for your soul, it's a sign of demonic attack. When there is no peace for your soul. Jesus said this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. In fact, one of God's seven compound redemptive names is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is your peace. And one of the things that, that, that Jesus gave us was supernatural peace. Now, some people think they have peace, but they have peace because they have a seared conscience. Right? If you keep doing the wrong thing again and again and again and again, you, you come to the place where your conscience is seared and you don't even realize you're in trouble. I remember before I became a Christian, I had been brought up in church and I knew that heaven was real and that hell was real. But you know what? I would not let myself think about eternity. I would not let my mind go there because it was a scary thought that there was a hell that was for all eternity and it's a place of torment. But listen, Everybody, someday your body's going to wear out and die. And you're going to step out. And you're going to face eternity. But there are many people that will not let their mind go there. And they may think they have peace, but they're just simply avoiding the inevitable. Um, so Gideon, as, as he's really in this, he thinks he's going to die because he's seeing God. And he builds the altar. And it's called the Lord is peace. Number six, unclean desires and lewd behavior. 22 times in the Gospels, referring to Jesus, the words unclean spirit are used because Jesus was constantly confronting them. Now, notice this man is naked, all right? This man runs around, he wears no clothes. Let me say this. Public nudity is a sign of demonic activity, right? Public nudity is a sign of demonic activity. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but we are living in what the Bible refers to as perilous times, dangerous times. The unclean, the unnatural, the lewd is accepted and celebrated. It's accepted and celebrated. Right? I know I'll get some, some emails. I'm just going to tell you, 
Wait, don't waste your time. I'm not going to read it. All right. <clears throat> Listen. Homosexuality is motivated by a demon spirit. I'm going to show you that in the Bible in just a couple minutes, all right? This whole LBGTQ plus whatever letters get added, all right? It may be politically correct to accept that, but we are politically incorrect and biblically correct. Biblically correct. Now, We love every person that is involved in this. We love them, right? We are not homophobic or transphobic, right? But somebody needs to speak some truth, right? These things are not natural, right? They are not natural. They're demonic. They're not genetic. They're demonic, right? And the fact that they're... They're promoting gender dysphoria in our school. That the present administration in Washington, D.C. is promoting this is a sign of demonic activity. It's demonic. Now, listen. Jesus said, pray your kingdom. Come. Right? Do you realize that kingdom is a political word? It's a political word. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. Listen, he didn't say make disciples in all nations. He said nations were supposed to become discipled. Talking literally about a political system. When Jesus comes back, he comes back as king, president, prime minister, right? And you can't vote him out. He's there, right? And he's there for good. So Romans chapter one, verse 26 For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. Even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature, what is unnatural. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burn in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful. Right? Now, they can celebrate it all they want. It's shameful. Right? It is unnatural. And it's demonic. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Message Bible, refusing to know God, they soon didn't know how to be human either. All right? They didn't know how to be human either. Women didn't know how to be women. Men didn't know how to be men. How many of you know that's what we're talking about today? That's our culture. Women don't know how to be women. Men don't know how to be men. Sexually confused. This is the Bible. I know some of you say you shouldn't talk about that in church. This is the Bible. We do the Bible in church. All right. Men with women. Men with women. Men. All lust. No love. Verse 28. Since they didn't bother to acknowledge God, God quit bothering them and let them run loose. All right. Now, Genesis chapter 6, um, there, are, there are three theories of where demons come from. And, and I want to deal with this for a minute because I think it's important, all right? 
Now, Genesis chapter 6, verse 2. The sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit will not always strive with man, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days will be 120 years. There were also giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men and bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. The sons of God here are referring to fallen angels. Now, um, how can I say this? In, in, from the time of the flood until the fourth century, all, he, all, all, all Hebrews believed that this is what happened. And the church believed this is what happened for the first four centuries. The first person that suggested anything different was Augustine, Bishop of Hippo, who most of us know as St. Augustine. Uh, we probably wouldn't even know what, what he said except his book, The, 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 uh, the City of God, which he wrote when Rome was sacked in 410, um, became the most influential book in Christianity for a thousand years. All right. So he suggested something else. Moffat translation, by the way, says it like this. It was in those days that the Nephilim giants arose on the earth, as well as afterward, whenever angels had intercourse with the daughters of men and had children born to them. These were the heroes who were famous in the old days. Uh, in Greek mythology, a hero is a cross between a deity and a human being. Well, it's actually a a fallen angel, and a human being. So the book of Jude says this, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode. Now, these are the angels that it's talking about in Genesis chapter six. He has reserved an everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. It refers to these again in Jesus He's, he's crucified. He descends into hell. First Peter chapter 3, verse 19, by whom also he went to the spirits in prison who were formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight souls were saved. So where did we drop off here? Oh, I only got the sixth verse. All right. He has reserved an everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Jesus went and proclaimed to them what had happened. Verse 7. As Sodom and Gomorrah in the cities around them in similar manner to these, in similar manner to the fallen angels, have given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh and set forth an example as a suffering of vengeance of eternal fire. Now, there are basically three theories for where demons came from. The first one is that demons are fallen angels, right? Uh, I suppose that's possible. The second is uh, what is referred to, they come out of what is referred to as the gap theory. So Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. And verse two, in the earth was without form and void. Some translation says the earth is catastrophic. 
the earth was. The word was there is also translated became, right? It became, and there's darkness over the face of the earth. Other translations say there is gross or deep darkness on the face of the earth, and the Spirit of God's hovering over the waters. Isaiah 45 says this, Thus said the Lord who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it and did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. When God originally formed it, it was to be inhabited. And what, what many Bible scholars believe is in between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 2-2, there is an immense amount of time that there was a pre-Adamic race on the earth who sinned in some way. The earth was destroyed in a flood, right? And then God recreates the earth because the whole earth is covered with water. That's a theory. I suppose it's possible. Uh, the third theory is that demon spirits are the spirits of people, but not human people that were the result of angels in Genesis chapter 6. That those beings that were born were not human. Right? They were not human. And they died and their spirits stuck around. Again, Genesis 2. The sons of God sought the daughters of men, that they were beautiful. They took wives for themselves and all whom they chose. And, and uh, the Bible goes on. And says about that these daughters of men, they were the mighty men, they were giants, they were the men of renown. Um, anybody here ever read the book Pilgrim's Progress? You know, written by, by John Bunyan. By the way, it is the, the, the most read book besides the Bible in all of history. Right? Now, it's a good book. Jeannie and I read it years ago. I'd recommend it, but it's not scripture. Okay. There is a book that um, was, most of it was probably written in the second or third century BC. Some of you may have heard of this book. It's called The Book of Enoch. Right? The Book of Enoch. Uh, it is not scripture, although it is quoted in scripture. Right? But the Book of Enoch, it very, very, very clearly states that demon spirits are the spirits of beings that were born to, to the angels who had sex with women. Now, this is the one thing that I know for sure, that a demon spirit tries to get you to become what it is. If a demon spirit is sexually perverse, it will try to get you to be sexually perverse. And I remember some time ago, a young man came up and, and said, I'm, I, I think I'm a homosexual. And this is what I said to him. I said, you're not a homosexual, but there is a demon that is a homosexual demon, and it's trying to attach itself to you, and it will make you think that you are what it is, and it will try to fulfill its lusts and its ungodly desires through you. A spirit of fear, it's a fearful spirit, right? A spirit of greed is a greedy spirit. And it will try to get you to become what it is. So Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood. You and I are the children. You live in a flesh and blood body. He, Jesus, 
himself likewise shared in the same. Jesus came in a flesh and blood body just like your body. His DNA was similar to your DNA. But these fallen beings had a different DNA. Jesus came in a flesh and blood body, and he can only redeem people that have a flesh and blood body. There is no redemption for the devil. The devil cannot get saved. Demons cannot get saved. Why? Because they don't have a flesh and blood body like your flesh and blood body. And if angels had relationships with women and produced a race, they would be the same. They would be unredeemable. To be redeemed, you got to have a flesh and blood body, just like the first Adam and the first Eve had. And Jesus, to redeem you, had to come in a flesh and blood body, and he can only redeem you as long as you live in a flesh and blood body. That's why the thought, well, when I die, I'm going to tell God I'm sorry. Too late. You can't get redeemed after you die. You say, why? Because you're not in a flesh and blood body. See, in Ecclesiastes, it says it like this. It says, where the tree falls, there it will lie. Whether it's to the north or to the south. It's not talking about trees. It's talking about people. When you die, instantly, you're sealed for all of eternity. One more. Because I told myself I'm going to get at least three today. All right. Number seven, compulsive and addictive behavior. Compulsive and addictive behavior. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had often seized him. What did it do? Seized him. And it, he was driven Verse 29, he was driven by demons into the wilderness. The devil will seize and the devil will drive. He'll push and push and push, right? Into addictions of drugs, alcohol, illicit sex, pornography, gambling, and the list goes on. When there is compulsive, addictive behavior, when a person is driven, it's a sign of demonic activity, right? And, and by the way, at the end, one of these weeks, we're going to get to the, to the end, and it says, and no one could tame him. No one could tame him. When there is a behavior that you cannot get rid of, you do it and you say, I will never do that again. But four days later, you're doing it again. And I will never do that again. And I will never do that again. And you cannot get control. You cannot take dominion over that thing. It's because you're driven. It's because you're driven. You're seized. And it's a sign of a demonic attack. It's a sign of a demonic attack on your life. But there's really good news. There's really good news. Because there's forgiveness in Jesus. There's cleansing in Jesus. And there is freedom in Jesus. So if you've been watching the program today, but inside you're like, you know, I'm not where I should be with God. I need forgiveness. I need to get right with God. I'm away from the Lord. I, I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me. But also, 
If you're watching, but you don't know where you stand with God. If I'd say, are you a Christian? You'd say, well, I'm trying to be. I hope I am. But the Bible says, know that you have everlasting life. You're supposed to know that you're forgiven, that you're right with God, that you're on your way to heaven. And if you don't know that for sure, you're not where you should be with God. And I want to invite you also to pray. Right? You're away from God. You don't know where you stand with God. I want you to pray this prayer with me from your heart. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven that I'm a part of your family, a part of your kingdom, on my way to heaven, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer, and you are forgiven and right with God. You need, this is the first step into the kingdom of God. Now, you need to keep growing spiritually. So I wrote a small book to help you keep growing spiritually, full of bullet points to help you in your walk with God. Now, we want to give it to you free of charge. You can download an electronic copy, or if you'll contact us, we will send you a hard copy. All the information is right there on your screen. And I want to thank you for being with us. Thank you for the opportunity to share with you. God bless, and have a great day. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, congratulations. You're making one of the best decisions of your life. If you're still working on that decision, we have people standing by at walkingbyfaith.tv who want to answer your questions. Just like Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv where you can have a copy mailed to you, download it instantly, or check out our audiobook. You can also find all these things on our app. This free book is a great resource as it's full of practical advice and encouragement to help you live a life of faith. Claim your free copy today. This Giving Tuesday, be a catalyst for change with Walking by Faith. Our mission is to transform lives worldwide through the practical teaching of God's Word. An example of this is each week our message is translated into the Urdu language for people in Pakistan and 80 surrounding nations where people are hungry for God's Word and hope for their lives. This year alone, we've had over 46,000 people from around the world dedicate their lives to Christ after watching Walking by Faith. Your gift makes it possible for us to reach the unreached. Please join us in making disciples around the world. There are three ways you can make a difference. One, donate. Click on the giving link in the description of this podcast. Two, share today's message. Amplify our impact by spreading the word. And three, pray with purpose. Partner with us in prayer for continued success. Together, we're creating a ripple effect of faith, love, and transformation. Join us on Giving Tuesday and be a part of something bigger than yourself. If you're in need of prayer for any reason, we'd love to connect with you. By scanning this QR code, you can send us a prayer request, download our app, read our weekly devotionals, and so much more. To rewatch today's episode with closed captions, you can now find us on Rumble. Remember, it's time to reclaim the joy and peace that are rightfully yours through Jesus Christ. May God pour out his blessings upon you this week, and we'll see you next time.